Hello and welcome to the Swimming Ideas Podcast. My name is Jeff and I will be your host for today. This is episode number 55, interviewing Karis Mount. That's Karis like Paris with a K. Today we're going to go in-depth into her experience as a swimmer on a swim team, working at the YMCA, and what tactics she uses and what she's learned recently going through a swimming lesson program. Now we're going to take an in-depth look at her experience as a swimmer on a swim team and as a swim instructor with the YMCA. That's right. Today we're talking to Karis Mount. And Karis grew up in Minnesota, graduated high school in North Dakota, and is in, currently in school for supervisory management. She was on the varsity swim team and diving for all four years of high school, and she worked at the YMCA. We're going to look at what she did in her program and what kind of the experience that she had as a new swim instructor. And then we're going to go into some tips that she has and Three very, very good games that you're, you're going to see. Maybe you play them, maybe you don't. I've certainly never heard of them before. Uh, look at uh, the Fireman Pole game towards the end, uh, the Chop Chop Timber, and the Penguin game. Uh, also, she did give us a tip for the uh, getting pool pets from Big Joe's on Amazon, and there'll be information about that in the post that you can see below. Now, I'm really excited to talk to Karis because she gives us an in, a unique insight as someone who's just recently gone through uh, swim instructor training. She's been a lifeguard and a swim instructor on staff at a program, and she has some interesting things to say about how both her high school swim team was run and what she experienced as a participant, as well as what it was like going through her swim lesson uh, training and as a swim teacher there. Now, if you would like to be on this podcast and if you would like to have your story heard, I need to hear from you. I'm putting out a call for anyone that runs their own swim lesson program, is involved in the aquatics management or swim coaching or swim instructing, and if you have a story to tell, I want you to share it with our audience. What we're looking for are compelling, interesting ideas about swim lessons and swimming and things that you can share with our aquatic professional community. Feel free to reach out to me, jeff at swimmingideas.com, and we can get in touch. Also, if you'd like to connect with me on Twitter, at swimmingideas, I'd love to hear from you and see if you're a good fit for our podcast. Now, without further ado, we're going to get started with our interview with Karis Mount, and we're going to start right now. I know you're going to enjoy it. Here we go. And hello, this is Jeff from Swimming Ideas, and we have Karis Mount on the line with us. It's Karis Like Paris, if you're interested. Uh, she grew up in Minnesota and graduated uh, her high school in North Dakota. Uh, she's going, currently going to school for supervisory management and was on the varsity swimming and diving team all four years of high school, and she still continues to show for alumni swim meets. Uh, she worked at the YMCA, uh, where she shared her talent and ideas, starting off as a lifeguard and moving up to a head lifeguard, a swim instructor, and then taught privates, adaptive lessons, and also a swim coach. Her ultimate dream is to have a swim school, and I'm really excited to talk to her today. Karis, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you, Jeff. You're very welcome. Thank you for being on the show with us. Uh, and 
just if you want to start off and tell everyone, how did you get started in swimming? Well, I've been swimming ever since I was a little girl. Um, my mom put me in the YMCA swimming lessons, and from there, I've grown in swimming so much. Growing up, I swam um, for the YMCA. I did lessons, and then I did. I also did lessons at my hometown school, Fridley High School. Um, and then I was 13 or 14. I was... Eighth grade was the starting point for um, competitive swim team. Okay, what made you join? Because that's kind of late when it comes to swimming. Um, I just I wanted to do something because it was in middle school, and that's when you could start a competitive swim team. High school high school lead is eighth grade. That's the earliest you can start. Okay, and what was the tryout experience like, or beginning? Like, how did you feel starting on the team? I loved it. I felt at home. I I felt comfortable. Um, I, had, I had nothing wrong with it. Uh, trying out for it was if you can swim down and back uh, 25 yards. It was something super simple. Um, but they they worked with me, and they really have grown with me, the coaches, um, during that time. Because when I walked in there, you know, I didn't know how to do flip turns. I didn't know how to do a streamline. I knew how to do a dolphin underwater, and that's basically you know what I did. And but mm-hmm. it it took for the coaches to actually spend quality time with me and get to know me as a person and my ins and outs and what stroke I do best and what is my what is my good stroke. And they found it, and I swam butterfly throughout high school. Is that your your main stroke as butterfly? That is my main stroke. Yes. Fantastic. That's a hard one. What, oh, why, yeah. what do you like about butterfly? Um, I like that I can fly through the water. Um, <laughs> <laughs> once you get that momentum down and that movement down, it comes so easy and it's so fun. Like, and I've read people like that swim breaststroke. Once they find that fine line, they have so much fun with it. It's, I don't know. It's just swimming. And it's, it's fun. <laughs> You know, I say that to my kids all the time because when I'm coaching, it's the beginners and then the the pre, like they just start competing group. And I tell them all the time, like once you do the butterfly undulation motion, once you get that down, everything mm-hmm. else is easy. It's right. like you just have to trust the, the the undulation. You have to trust the body motion. But but when you were told, you know, you're going to be our flyer, and you found that you had a purpose on the team. What resonated with you? Uh, you know, how did you become a better butterflyer? What were the kind of the things that your aha moments of? You said earlier, once you get the flow down, the undulation, the body motion, you it gets so much easier. Can you go more in depth on that? Um, well, I started swimming fly underwater first, so really doing that underwater dolphin kick at the bottom of the pool really helped um, bring my butterfly to life on the top of the water. Did you also do the arms so, underwater? No. Okay, no. just the kicking. Just, I mean, dolphin got kick. It, got it. Yes. And then when when you come up to breathe, I would lift my head up mm-hmm. like you would do for butterfly. So, um, 
just those little things would help build up butterfly. But um, diving forward and really reaching and not bending your elbows when you do fly to come around on the surface of the water really helps. Mm -hmm. Um, That helped me. And um, just, I don't really know how to describe, like, finding that line. Mm -hmm. Because it just it came so natural. To what me. do you mean by finding the line? I mean, I think I know what I what I when I say it mm-hmm. as a coach. What do you mean when you when you say find the line? You mentioned it in breaststroke too. You said once they find that line, right. what exactly are you talking about? When you get into that moment, you have that one moment when you're swimming, breaststroke or butterfly. That one moment where you're just gliding through the water and there's no no effort there's no there's no nothing's holding you back it's enjoyable and it's that it's that one moment in swimming that you get and i personally think that mo- that moment is very addicting and that's why i would want to swim butterfly over and over again just to find that line it's like the runner's high like when you're running and you 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 feel this rush of endorphins and happiness and just oneness with everything, and then you feel great. You find that in your swimming. Mm-hmm. Now, did you find that in your swims, like competitive swims, or was this even at practice? Even at practice, anywhere, anywhere in the pool. Um, I I would swim a lot at the YMCA before, or after work, and you know, a lot of members would just come up and tell me, "Oh my goodness, you're so beautiful in the water," or that dive, I've never seen a dive like that before because when I dive, I am so straight. My, I always have to have my feet pointed because that's what I learned and tight streamline. I have to be very tight <laughs> going off the block mm-hmm. or going off the side of the mm-hmm. pool. So, um, yeah, you know, I've done dive, I, I've done starts like with the head coach, me and the head coach have done starts before and, um, him as a guy, I can get as far as he can as a guy. And so, I don't know, it's just really cool to see the ability that I have in swimming. So what what is it about your start that makes you so good at it? You said the tight streamline, the narrow, um, the pulling everything in, the, the straight toes. What else? Do you have any tactics for people that – can benefit from your experience here with your starts? Yes. Um, dry land exercises, at-home exercises. Um, I usually pretend at home I'm on a block. So literally go down, grab the floor, do your stands, pretend you're on a block, and then have someone say, take your mark, beep, and then once that beep goes off, you're going to spring up into your streamline and have your tight streamline, have your toes pointed, and you're going to um, push off the floor and come off the floor, just like you would off the block, but straight up in the air. Okay, I was going to say, how do you do it without falling on your face? Because if you're on the... Yeah, so it's going to be straight up in okay. the air. But that is the motion that you want to come off that block. Is It all starts in the feet. And um, just having that powerful reaction time is very good. 
Okay. All right. Well, let's kind of transition here. Let's talk about your time at the YMCA and when you started as a lifeguard and then a swim instructor. Let's talk about your hiring process. How did you find out about uh, that there was even a, a position open for you at the YMCA? Well, how I, how I started was in um, North Dakota, mm-hmm. and it's a very small YMCA. Uh, I had no experience, and I uh, originally just applied for a lifeguard. So once I got into to be a lifeguard, um, she's like, hey, do you want to be a swim instructor? Because usually all of our lifeguards are swim instructors. It's like, oh, okay, sure, I'll give it a try. So... After then, I've I've always been teaching swimming lessons, and that's been about three years ago, two and a half, three years ago. So, were you in were you in your competitive swimming season in high school while you were also lifeguarding and swim instructing? No. This was after high school. Right. Okay. Yep. And what was your training like for your swim instructor? Like, what did you have to go through? What were the requirements in order to teach swim lessons? Okay. So I was actually in the water with the instructor, side-by-side with her, um, following every move she made. If, you know, if I didn't know the song she was singing, I was still doing the motions that she was doing. Um, So the class size was about five kids. They're around age five. It's not a little bit younger. Um... They were wearing slope belts, and we were teaching them how to scoop. Now, she used a lot of um, visual imagery mm-hmm. for the little kids. And um, so, like, you know, if, if her scoops, she said, okay, we're going to scoop our favorite ice cream. And before that, she would ask, like, what's your favorite ice cream? So it would get the kids more involved, like, hey, I'm going to scoop my ice cream. I'm going to scoop some chocolate ice cream. And so that was, it's really, it was, it was really fun learning that. And that's the first thing I learned in how to teach swimming lessons are the scoops and the kicks for the little ones. Fantastic. Uh, so we, we call that shadowing in our program. Did, did they have an official name for it, like an apprenticeship? Or it was just as part of your training, you're going to get in the water and work with this other instructor. They have it labeled under shadowing. Okay. Mm-hmm. How long did you have to do that um, for? Was it one lesson or two lessons? It was about uh, one lesson, so um, three or four weeks. So you would do yeah. one lesson once a week for three or four weeks? Right. Okay. Um, their lessons are seven sessions, so it would be seven weeks. And um, also their their lessons at the Y um, are 30 minutes long and 40 minutes long. So you, as an instructor, you don't really get that much time, especially if you have like five to six kids. It's really hard because, you know, I really like to be one-on-one with the kid and find their area of interest and find what they need help with the most. So why don't why don't you talk more about that then? What how do you find something to connect with the kids on? How do you, especially in a private lesson, there's a lot of people that don't like teaching them because it's only one kid, and then they're like, oh, they don't like me, or 
it gets bo- it gets boring or something. So how do you find that connection with a private lesson? I find an area of interest that the kid likes. Um, if it's Transformers, then you know what? I'm going to base my lesson on Transformers. How do you find out if they like um, Transformers? I'll talk to him. I'll say, so, what do you like? And if he starts to cry, you know, and is just focused on the water, then I'm going to change it. And I'm going to walk around the pool area, and I'm going to I'm gonna make sure that he feels safe before he gets in the water. Because I don't want to traumatize a kid. I don't want them to be traumatized for their first time when they go into water, and then they don't want to get back in. So... How do you how do you yeah. keep them from being freaked out? You know, you if they're upset or crying, what are some things that you do to keep them from crying more? Have patience. Um, that's that's what I've learned. You just ha- you have to have patience with kids, and mainly, you know, just holding the child's hand and being very interactive and talking to him about this area of interest that he likes or what school do you go to. Um, how you know how many friends do you have? Um, do you have an do you have your own pool at home? I, I like to ask that question because a lot of kids do, and that's something good for you as an instructor to know if they do have a pool at home. You know, because then you know, hey, you can practice this at home or you can do this. And I I love to send my uh, children home with dryland exercises, even the little ones. Um, you know, using a chair for breaststroke is really good for the whip kick, getting the whip kick going. How, can you talk more about that? What do you? What specifically do you tell them to do? Um, well, I tell them, okay, so sit in a chair, and you're going to bring your feet back. And then you're going to bring your feet out like you would do for breaststroke and wrap them around the chair legs. And so and that t- at that time, your feet should be flexed like they should be because you're wrapping them around those legs, and then they should be out too. Flexing out. And what do you give them? Like, what's the the like? What's the homework? I guess. Okay. Um, so then, once they like have that motion, because that motion focuses on the flex feet and how they're pointed out. Um, once they have that, then I have them lay on their tummy on the ground, and physically just do the whip kick. So on the ground. Like on their belly. So are you saying do 10 chair flexes and then lay on the ground and do 10 whip kicks on your own while you're watching TV? Is that kind of what you say to them? Right. Yes. And then, too, like, for the younger kids, I really like to, you know, tell mom, like, hey, like, if you see that their feet are in flex when they're doing the whip kick on the ground, then grab their feet and and physically flex them and and bring them around in that motion so they can feel that. So they can feel what they're doing wrong because, you know, a lot of swimmers, they don't really, they don't feel it because it's been happening so much. It's just like um, a habit, a a bad habit. And it's hard to break habits. We all know that. Mm -hmm. So. (laughs) So how do you, how do you break that habit? in your swim lessons because you're right swimming is a habit and breaststroke is probably the most difficult thing to teach someone if they don't have that Mm -hmm. feel for breaststroke and the this chair 
thing where you hook your toes in the legs and the front legs. It's brilliant. I've never heard of that. And I think that's one of the most awesome things because it, it really forces them to flex their feet. How, how do you, in a swim lesson, break those habits? What, what kind of things do you do? So um, even for team, I get in the water. I get in the water and I'm, a, I'm visual with everything. So I will show them before they do it. I will show them this is what I expect from you and this is what I want. Um, I want you guys to, and I give them one focus point. Like I really want you guys to focus on your tight streamlines off the wall. So, and then I'll show them that. They'll, they'll do that. And um, I really like how you give yeah. that one focus point. Can you elaborate on that? Why is that important to you? Giving a swimmer too much information can overwhelm their brain and make them, oh my goodness, where do I start first? What do I do first? And as a good coach, you don't want to overwhelm them. You want to encourage them and you want to help them uh, learn the new and um, change the old. And like you said in your old podcast that you know I've listened to, um, having a change mindset that is very that is very key mm-hmm. to a very good to a good coach and to a good swimmer. Mm-hmm. So fantastic! You know, I, I like how you you put that. It if you give them too much, it can overwhelm them, and that the role of the coach is to encourage and help them. You know, so by narrowing our focus by doing one thing, you get better results. Have you found that to be true? Yes, very. Now, now, can you think of a time in your own swimming experience when a coach maybe either gave you too many things to focus on and it wasn't effective, or the other side of that, when they gave you one thing to focus on and you really excelled at? Did you have any of that in your own experiences? Yes, definitely. Um, meets. Oh. At meets. That is when the coach really comes down on the swimmer and tells them, don't forget to do this, do that, do this. Don't forget your, t- your tight foot turn and, or don't forget this or that. And that is really overwhelming because I'm trying to remember all this and it's just like, whoa, I'm just going to go out and swim. <laughs> oh. I, what about at practice? Because that, that sounds like when we're on deck, sometimes we call it the overcoaching where you're like, oh, just like you said, remember to streamline, do your flip turns, don't lift your head up, you know, make sure to kick. Yeah. Have you in practice seen, had any experience with someone saying, just do this one thing on this set, and that's your only focus? The YMCA, um, they would do, it's called streamline set. Okay. And um, the whole team would do it together, and they would mark off with the sinking bricks in the bottom of the pool, they would mark off where the swimmer needs to hold their streamline till. Uh, and I really love um, doing things as a, as a team because you, you're a team, you're one. And team bonding, like games, I, I love doing that. I love doing like pasta parties or spaghetti, spaghetti parties before meets, the night before meets. That's really fun. Just, you know, team bonding. It helps. And 
it, it encourages. It does help. Little things. Little things help. Absolutely. Can you give us some examples of team bonding things that you did outside of the pool, uh, either as a swimmer or as a coach? Yeah, we did a lot of um, pasta parties. So each swimmer or parents would bring in um, a pasta or a salad, bread, and the whole team would get together at someone's house, and they would they would pick, you know, or offer, and we would just all bond. We would watch movies, you know. Maybe some girls had pools, so you know we would just fun swim, open swim, you know. After we would eat, or um, at school a lot too, um, we would implement like wearing our wearing our. Um, swimming clothes to school, you know, before the meets or on the days of the meet, you know, just fun things like that will really like help uplift the swimmer and um, encourage them more. To be honest, I, I believe that it will encourage them more to work harder. Yeah. That community aspect has a way of bonding and, and, and creating a better performance because you're close mm-hmm. as a team. Now, when you say you wore your swimming outfits to school, are you saying like the parkas? Or like the swimsuits on top Sorry. of your clothes or something? I mean, or the swim cap? No, no, like, um, like uh, if you had sweatpants made or sweatshirts. Sweatshirts were a big thing or T-shirts. Okay. Did you, yeah. did you get those? I can't remember. I don't know what they're called. I, I think they're called like the jersey shirts where – it says like freestyle across the the shoulder and arm, and then the back, and then the other arm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Or okay. no, I All don't. Right, that's fine. All right. But um, we we did do fun shirts. Like you can usually the girls would make them. Like the um the captain would make the shirts. So that would basically be their reward as a captain is hey you guys you guys can make the team shirts this year or. You know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Now, how how would you would you vote on team captains, or were they appointed? Did the coaches tell you who they were? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then, so if you, in your own swim team, did you have captains for your age group uh, groups? For you mean for the YMCA? Yeah, when you were coaching. Um. Yes. Yep. And that's and the coach usually picked out. They also had Swimmer of the Week. How would you get Swimmer of the Week? Um, usually the co- it's coach's job um, to pick out someone who is, you know, maybe a kid's having a really rough, had a really rough last week. But this new week, he just he came, he's giving his best, he's trying, and his his streamlines have been great. He just he deserves a, a, an award. So the coach at the YMCA would give them swimmer of the week and the swimmer of week is either listed on the whiteboard on like a star and it has their name mm-hmm. swimmer of the week um or a kickboard you write swimmer of the week on the kickboard so when when you guys do kick sets they use that kickboard and maybe you have it as a yellow kickboard so it stands out or a red kickboard so it's different than the, than the other teams but they deserve that because they earned it I like that a lot. I like, I mean, in our own swim team, we do swim of the week, but it's just you get points for it. And then at the end of the year, you mm-hmm. get prizes based on the number of points you have. But I really love that swimmer of the week kickboard um, that is exclusive to the swimmer of the week. I think that's fantastic. That's a great idea. 
Um, yeah. Okay. Let's let's kind of move on here. Um, we're we're about ten minutes left. Um, talk to me about uh, your swim lessons and what what kind of is the the important progression. How do you start teaching freestyle? Like, how do you get someone that goes underwater? They don't really like swimming on their own. How can we get them to start swimming freestyle? What's kind of your process? Um, what do you focus on? So like I said earlier, I'm really hands-on. And um, I, I use flotation, um, but it all depends on their ability. So um, usually a noodle, like, and then my hands makes them feel safe. So, um, you know, if the noodle goes underneath their armpits, then my hands will go underneath their armpits because that makes them feel a lot safer. And um, how I start off is the glide off the wall is important. Um, so we'll start off with glides. And then from glides, we'll do scoops. And for the younger kids, I've learned not to keep them away from the lap pool, not to keep them away from the deep end. You know, even if they can't swim, strap on a float belt and put a noodle underneath their arms, too. But have them swim in that pool in that length um, is very good. Uh, the YMCA, where I worked, uh, limited their swimmers, um, their little swimmers, you know, that couldn't swim that mm-hmm. good, to using a deep end for, you know, safety reasons and stuff like that. But as from my own experience, uh, for my swim school, I, I I wouldn't do that. So. Okay, uh, so you're, you're you're starting with assisted glides, so giving them a floaty or a noodle, or you have a, the float mm-hmm. belt, um, and then uh, going from the wall to the instructor and then back is what I'm hearing. Right. Yep. And then uh, mm-hmm. working on the ice cream scoops and their favorite ice cream and kind of making that connection and that uh, illustration with the mm-hmm. ice cream and the scoops. Uh, what about turning the head to the side to breathe? Are you, what, what, how do you get to that point when you start breathing on freestyle? Cause you uh, presumably here you're mm-hmm. with the face in the water. When do you, and right. how do you start turning it to the side? So a lot of times I, if they're wearing goggles, I ask them, I ask them a question. Hey, can you try to keep half of your goggle in the water and turn your head to the side? And usually that makes them focus on, you know, getting half of their goggle out of the um, out of the water and turning it aside. And usually that works out really good and gets their face flat. Or can you um, get half of your lips out of the water, you know, and turn your head to the side? Um, sometimes I say, you know, following your arms, paint the ceiling, and following your arms. Mm. Um, so that makes them actually look at their arm, their hand, until it goes all the way in and their face goes back in. I like, I like um, that one. following your arms. Can you talk about that more? What do you like? How do you, how would you tell someone to follow their arm? Like with their face, with their eyes? Well, let's say that our hand is a paintbrush and we're going to paint the ceiling. Um, I want everybody to pick their favorite color. And so then we'll talk about that really briefly. Um, and then once we do that, then they'll paint the ceiling and they'll, they'll follow in their hands. Um, I don't really know how to go into depth about it because. Um, 
All right. So what about any go-to games? Do you have any games that you play that you like uh, for any purpose in your swim lessons that you find that are both fun and effective? Yes. Uh, the fireman's pole. Oh, tell me about that. Um, yes. Uh, it's a plastic pole that you can you bring anywhere with you in the water. And what you do is you put a ring on the bottom of the pool or let it drop down on the pool. And that encourages the swimmer to, to walk down hand over hand on the pool to get that ring on the bottom of the pool. Now, I like using it on younger swimmers, even as much fear as they have in, like, the deep water and stuff, because it, it gets them to go in and it gets them to, you know, look look down and and see and just and just see, you know, and, and feel the deep end. Um, they really like the fireman's pole, <laughs> even if they go, like, two hands down. Mm-hmm. They have really – they have a lot of fun with it. So. What kind of – describe the pole that you've used. Is it a – what what's the material is it made out of? Um, it's plastic, and um, we covered um the bottom of the pole so it's not sharp like with a a rubber cap or something. You can cover the ends mm-hmm. of it, but um, basically what you do is you hold it in the water and the kids go hand over hand, so they never let go of the pole. And even when they come up, they don't let go of the pole. That's the number one rule. It's always hand over hand. Got it. Now, I've seen yeah. people use poles similar to this as teaching aids. So they would like, they would have, they'd hold it horizontally. So like the whole length of it is in front of them. And then they would have the kids mm-hmm. hold on to the pole and they'd have like three or four kids hold on to it. And then they'd walk backwards as if they were like doing a front glide, but then all the kids were holding onto the pole. Have you ever done anything like that? No, I haven't. I, I, I feel conflicted on it because what if one lets go and now you have four kids that can't swim, you know, away mm-hmm. from the wall and three of them are holding onto the pole and the other one's three feet behind you away. And you now you got to rush and pick them up. And I, I don't know. I was just wondering if you're, uh, swim school used it in that way and what your thoughts are on it. No. Okay. Uh, no. Um, I have used the pole though for team two. It helps for start. So if you hold it out in front, okay. you say, Hey, you guys are going to, um, go over this pole. This is, this is your goal is to go over this pole or use a hula hoop and have them go through that hula hoop that on the top of the water, aim for that. Mm-hmm. It, it really, that helps. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Uh, do you have any other tips or tactics for your swim games. lessons in yes. games? Um, chop, chop, timber. Ooh, that you sounds good. That? No. Okay, so the little kids are going to pretend that they're trees, and they're going to pick their favorite tree. A lot of kids pick, like, blueberry or apple trees. And um, they stand up on the side of the wall, and the instructor's in the water, and um, one kid at a time. And so you're going to ask them, what's your favorite tree? I'm going to be a apple tree. Okay, apple tree. And then you're going to take your arms and you're going to chop, chop each side of their feet lightly with your hands, like you're cutting down a tree. And then you're going to say timber. And then the kid, they jump in. 
That's awesome. So it's like a jumping game. That's fantastic. And I guess you could even do it as like a diving game and like encourage them to fall Mm -hmm. like a timber and then at the last second do a dive. Oh, I like that one a lot. That reminds me like Penguin. Yeah? Penguin 2 is like um, a team bonding game. I I would recommend that for team bonding. What is that? Um, Basically, you have all of your... um, your students lined up along the, the pool, and they're gonna—they're all gonna. Whoever makes it in uh, first wins, or no, whoever is last loses. So that's how it works. So if you know, basically, you just name off things that start with P, like pizza or popcorn, and it's the reaction time too. So this is a good reaction game. Mm-hmm. Um, so. And then if you say penguin, then they're all supposed to jump in. And whoever jumps in last is out. That's how you eliminate people. Got it. This, this sounds like pigeon, which is the same thing. You, like, say the word and then, like, um, like penguin. And then you say a bunch of sentences and that you throw things in that also sound start with pen or like my pen is full or my you know and then when you say the keyword again then they jump in and the last person is the loser and then they're out um that's a very right. similar game oh i like that game a lot all right so we're, we're gonna wrap this up um if people wanted to get in touch with you or uh, find out about more about you and your swimming experience where can they reach you or can they Yes, they can reach me at uh, my email address. Mm-hmm. So it's karis.mount at yahoo.com. So K-A-R-I-S dot mount, M-O-U-N-T, 21 at yahoo.com. Fantastic. So uh, if you're interested in reaching out to Karis for game examples, uh, coaching techniques, swim instructing um, ideas, feel free to send her an email. Um, and Karis, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to have you. Thank you. All right, you're very welcome. And thank you very much. And and thank you so much for listening to the Swimming Ideas podcast and our interview with Karis Mount. And I think one of the most interesting things that she said in her, our conversation here was uh, – the way that she really liked focusing in on one thing at swim meets and during swim practice or even at swim lessons is as a swim coach, as a swim instructor, you want to focus on the one thing. You know, I mentioned briefly the over coaching and how coaches will sometimes say, Oh, make sure you put your head down, kick your feet, breathe every three. Don't breathe before you do your flip turn. Don't breathe off your walls. Make sure you do a streamline, flip turn, kick. You know, there's these litany of things, this list that everyone needs to know right before their swim meet. And oh my gosh, it's going to overwhelm the swimmer. Karis and I agree on this point of give your swimmers one thing. Now you can see this in uh, a blog post that I put, the 80-20 rule, and how we want to focus on those 20% of things that get the 80% of results. Utilize that tactic when you're giving feedback to your swimmers right before a swim at a competition. Say, you know what? We've been training really hard on a bunch of different things. I know you know it. Focus on that streamline. I know you had some difficulties with it last time. Let's make sure we really have a nice, tight, long streamline, and the rest of it's going to take care of itself. Give your swimmers that one thing. 
Now, in addition to that, I really liked how Cars talked about the different games that she played, how she uses imageries uh, for communicating, and how she connects with swimmers by asking them questions and then uses the answers to those questions further on in her lessons. And I'll take particular note of the fireman pole game, uh, which I thought was fantastic. Uh, we use a PVC pipe um, that you can get from Home Depot or any of the hardware stores. They're relatively inexpensive, 80 cents, 70 cents. You can have them cut it to the separate heights that you want at the store. And then there's little plastic caps that you can just put over the edges so they don't scrape or cut anybody. Uh, she also mentioned the game Chop Chop Timber, which I thought was wonderful. Um, I'm kind of upset at myself for not thinking of this game on my own. Uh, but there'll be a description of that in the show notes as well. And finally, the game Penguin. If you've heard it before, it's something also like Pigeon, a very similar game there as well. So thank you very much for Karis Mount for being on this podcast, and thank you, the listener, for sticking through and listening to it. I am certain that you got some good ideas uh, from Karis and my conversation, and if you want to be on the podcast, definitely reach out to me. I want to hear your story. Connect with me on Twitter at Swimming Ideas or send me an email, jeff at swimmingideas.com. Tomorrow, we can teach better lessons together.